When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. In 2017, the Trump administration announced that for the first time in history, states could impose a work requirement on low-income people who rely on Medicaid for health insurance. Arkansas was the first state to implement one starting last June, and now a number of other states, including Arizona, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, New Hampshire, and Wisconsin, are chomping at the bit to follow suit. Bryce Covert went to Arkansas to report on the impact of the work requirement there. She joins us now. Bryce, welcome back. Thanks for having me on. Well, you open your report for The Nation with a profile of a guy in Benton, Arkansas, named Stephen Mitchell. Tell us about him. Yeah, I met Stephen Mitchell uh, when I was sitting around in a food pantry early one very freakishly cold day in Arkansas. He walked into the pantry and was already visibly in pain. He was limping. He was having trouble breathing. Um, I let him get settled, and then as with other people I was approaching, I said, you know, have you been enrolled in the state's Medicare expansion, and have you heard about a work requirement? And he said, yeah, actually, I got a letter recently telling me that I my Medicaid is being cut off. Um, like many people I spoke to in Arkansas, he found out about the state's work requirement the same day that he found out he was losing coverage. In theory, recipients in the state have three months before they get cut off where they're supposed to be complying with the requirement by reporting work or that they're going to school or volunteering. But the state didn't spend any extra money on outreach. A lot of these folks are really hard to reach for a lot of different reasons. And so a lot of people were finding out in sort of these haphazard ways. And he basically said to me, look, you know, I've always wanted to work. I've tried many times, but he has really serious health conditions, health conditions that he actually found out about when he got enrolled in Medicaid. He found out what they were officially. He has asthma, he has hernias of other pains in his body that he needs medication to deal with. And he said, every time I try to work, I end up paying a price for it. I often end up in the hospital because of his asthma or the pain in his body. He sort of ends up worse off than he was before. But without his Medicaid, things are only going to get worse. He was worried. He had an appointment coming up with a surgeon, and he wasn't sure whether they were actually even going to let him keep that appointment or not. You know, he wasn't able to get the medications that help him feel better, which if he was at all able to work, he would need to be able to do so. And he said, you know, I'm not against working. I just think that Medicaid is an important, basically, work support. He didn't put it in those words, but he he basically said, you know, those of us who have health issues, we need our health insurance to be at all ready to work. Um, And then... We, we parted ways. He had come to the food pantry looking for help 
uh, with his utility bills, found out they couldn't help him there, and then walked off on foot. Arkansas is a very rural place, so he had a long walk ahead of him to go somewhere else to try and get help with his utilities. And how many people are are in the same boat, recipients who have lost their Medicaid coverage because they failed to comply with the work requirement? It's only been, what, less than a year. What are the numbers involved here? So the last tally that we had, it's over 18,000 people in the state, 18,164 to be exact, who have lost their Medicaid coverage because they didn't comply with the work requirement, which is a staggering number. It's a really large number of people. And what we're seeing is the state reports these numbers every month, and every month there's a new cohort of people reported as losing their Medicaid coverage. What's a bit frustrating uh, about the situation, um, on top of everything that the recipients have faced trying to keep their coverage, is that this is supposed to be an experiment. Um, The way that states are allowed to do this under the Medicaid law in theory is that these are experiments to see if work requirements work, but Arkansas hasn't had anything in place to evaluate what's going on. So while we know that more than 18,000 people have lost their coverage, we don't know why. We don't know what's happening to them. We don't have a baseline to compare it to before the work requirement went into place. So these people are sort of losing their coverage and then disappearing, and there's very little out there to help them get back into the program. Now, the advocates of the work requirement argue that unemployment is really low in Arkansas, 3.7% in December uh, 2018, and and therefore people who can work should if the state is going to pay for their medical insurance. Uh, What do you say to that? Well, talking to the people that I did, and I talked to over a half dozen people um, who had been subject to the work requirement, it you start to see why it might be that people are losing their coverage in such large numbers and not just sort of complying. I mean, the first is just that there is really low awareness of this. So if the state is interested in, in theory, helping people or prodding people to work, they first need to know that this is happening, and then they need help figuring out what they need to do. And there just has really been none of that in the state. There's so much confusion, very little awareness. But even among those who were aware, a lot were like Stephen Mitchell, where they have some sort of health issue that makes it difficult to work. I talked to one man who has frequent seizures, for example. I talked to another person who has been in drug rehab a lot recently. That makes it very difficult to work, but they aren't technically disabled. To be designated disabled and get disability insurance benefits is a really long, difficult process. It takes years. Many people face being rejected. So they're in this sort of limbo where they have physical impediments to working. They need Medicaid to stay healthy. Some of them said, you know, I'm going to die if I don't have my health insurance. Um, But they also are not seen by the state officially as being disabled enough to be exempt from the program. So they don't know how they're supposed to fulfill this. And to be honest, there's not much of a great answer coming from the state. Um, Some people are sort of getting caught up by accident. I talked to one woman who's had a full-time job for a long time and had to go online and report her work hours anyway because the state didn't realize. I talked to another woman who whose son should have been exempt because he's in the children's version of Medicaid, and he got cut off. Even though it was an error, it took her months to get back on. There's no new resources to help people navigate the system, to help the 
the Department of Human Services staff help people navigate the system. So it's a bit of a mess. Um, and we also know that health insurance, and particularly Medicaid expansion, has supported people in working. People who have health coverage tend to be have better health outcomes, and they also tend to then be able to work if they're able. They're more they're they go to work more frequently. They work longer hours because probably because they're healthier. Little historical background here. Isn't this work requirement for Medicaid recipients part of a long campaign to, quote, end welfare as we know it? Who was it who promised to do that? People may remember that uh, those words frequently came out of the mouth of uh, President Bill Clinton when he was campaigning for president and then once he was president. In the 1990s, he championed the idea of welfare reform, ending welfare as we know it. And one of the things that was part of that package was adding a work requirement to the program that eventually came to be known as Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. It's the country's cash welfare program for very poor people. Um, he was behind a less draconian version of what ended up happening, but he definitely he signed into law the country's first work requirement in a public program. And it's been in place since the 1990s in TANF. And so anyone who wants to enroll in cash assistance who needs a little bit of extra money to get by has to also either be looking for a job or have a job in order to get it, or otherwise they are disqualified or kicked off. And since the 90s, what have been the other points of attack in this campaign to kick people off public assistance? Well, what we've seen since, and particularly I would say in recent years, it's it was a moniker sort of taken up and championed by Paul Ryan for a while that we should take the work requirement that is in TANF and we should apply it to lots of other programs that so-called able-bodied people who get public assistance should prove their worthiness of that assistance by going and getting work um, and being forced to work and report those hours. Um, and now the Trump administration has basically taken up that mantle. Paul Ryan's not in Congress anymore. More. But the Trump administration has released reports and executive orders trying to put these work requirements into a number of programs. It's not just Medicaid. It's also housing assistance. It's making them more draconian in food stamps. Um, they want to basically try and put a work requirement in any program that a low-income person might try to avail themselves of. And there are plenty of Republicans in Congress who have also been pushing this forward. So it's this decades-long crusade to add a work requirement, which advocates will say is not that poor people don't work. It's that either they have some impediment to work, again, these health issues or things, you know, taking care of a disabled family member, or their work is really chaotic. And sometimes in between jobs or when your job cuts your hours, you might need food stamps, you might need Medicaid to get by for a bit. And instead of helping people bridge those gaps, figuring out what it is they need that would assist them in getting to work, Republicans have been on this mission to put a work requirement in these programs, which really ends up stigmatizing them. What we've seen in TANF is that it's basically a barrier that so many people say is too high to clear, and they just don't even try to get the assistance at all, even if they're eligible for it. And people are really worried that if we put them in Medicaid, something similar will happen, where people will just say, you know what, this is more trouble than it's worth. I'm not even going to try. And then they go without health insurance, which could be a real crisis. 
Now, the other side of this is Medicaid expansion, part of Obamacare. It's an option for states. The federal government pays for almost all of it, but all the Deep South states have refused Medicaid expansion with the exceptions of Louisiana and Arkansas. So I'm a little confused here. Arkansas has adopted Medicaid expansion, but they're also trying to kick people off of Medicaid. Let's talk about the expansion part of all of this. Arkansas was one of the states that decided to expand Medicaid back when states were trying to decide whether or not to do that back in 2014 to childless adults who weren't able to get it before. That's how, for example, Stephen Mitchell was able to get health insurance in the first place. It's been a real success. The state was seeing its uninsured rate drop. It also had experienced zero rural hospital closures, unlike every other neighbor around it that hadn't expanded Medicaid. It really transformed the way that residents use medical care so that they were getting preventative care so that their cover so that their needs were covered and it wasn't a huge burden on community clinics and hospitals um, and all the providers say this has been a real success story but it's also been politically fraught in the state I mean it is a deep red state and basically what the legislature has said to advocates is look if you want to keep your Medicaid expansion the work requirement is the price you have to pay and that threat is very real because in order to keep the expansion the legislature has to pass it again basically every year every year there's a fight over it it's not guaranteed to continue year to year so advocates are in this difficult position of saying you know do we fight this work requirement tooth and nail um, and then put the expansion at risk, which is really doing so much for so many people. And we basically don't know how it's all going to play out. Right now there's a lawsuit against the work requirement, and if it's struck down, it could unleash a lot of political chaos in Arkansas. We've been talking here about Arkansas, but there's the 14 other states that have requested the ability to impose their own work requirements on Medicaid. What's going to happen with them? Who decides what's going to happen? Well, the request has to go through the Trump administration's um, Centers for Medicaid, Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, um, and if they get approval, then they have to put it into place. A lot of eyes right now are on the lawsuit against both Arkansas and uh, work requirement in Indiana that was uh, halted thanks to a judge's ruling that it couldn't go forward, so it hasn't been put into place yet. Um, if those are struck down, it could present some real problems for states that want to do a work requirement. And, you know, I'm not a legal scholar. I don't know exactly how that plays out, but I think it puts the whole thing into real doubt. If not, those states will potentially move forward. But I would just ask them to look at what's been going on in Arkansas. There is no good way to do this. Bryce Covert, you can read her at thenation.com. Bryce, thanks for a great report. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 